Hey, this is Pete. Welcome to the Live Your Own Fit podcast. We're doing it a little bit differently today. It's just me, so hopefully my voice isn't too boring that it doesn't overcome the great content that I've got coming for you today, hopefully. It is about the mantra of love that I was using in 2012, and I'm going to play you the entire piece of my finish line interview with Mike Riley that I've used a snippet of in my regular little intros in the previous episodes, and then I'm going to get into the details of how that helped me physically, tangibly to perform better. So here it is, my finish line interview with Mike Riley. So there it is. I just listened to it also and it makes my skin tingle um, still when I listen to it. It's incredible memories and something that seems very surreal nowadays. But hopefully I'll be able to get back there one day. But let's move on to how I came about this mantra of love that I used in 2012. Um, I was working with Al Pittman. He was my mentor uh, for a few years. And I would travel down to Brisbane occasionally to catch up with him. And I would also catch up with Ian Maitland, a kinesiologist in Brisbane as well. I'd been seeing him for a couple of years and on and off, just maybe only once or twice a year. And in 2012, I guess we're putting more effort into dotting the I's and crossing the T's for Hawaii. I was, I was vested more into it. I really wanted it that year. I was only thinking about the win. So I was definitely covering more bases uh, in 2012. And so Ian would muscle test me as a kinesiologist and he'd go through my emotions and he'd say words, you know, words that were like love and adoration are the ones that he found I was really strong if I said them and I thought them. He found that I was weak if I wasn't. And he really pointed out to me, I guess having come second the year before, I was it's only one or two people on social media, but when they're trolling and and not, it's not saying great things, it's it's hard and uh, you, it's hard for me to take. I've got a pretty thin skin, and um, I was definitely slightly affected now and again by those things. And he would say, "You've just got to love them," 
love everybody. And sure enough, you say that to yourself and all those worries and doubts and fears disappear. And it wasn't just about the one or two trolls. It was fears of success. It was doubts of my ability. It was doubts of being able to beat, you know, the reigning world champ, Craig Alexander. Um, and I would start using it. I just, I started using the word love as uh, per Ian's recommendations. And so in training, I would, I would be visualizing all the time in training. I'd be visualizing uh, a certain hill up Polani every time I ran uphill in training. Um, and I'd be visualizing a sprint finish in the last kilometer when I was doing my run efforts. And as well as visualizing a sprint finish, I'd visualize a sprint finish against someone like Craig. And maybe he's the crowd favorite as well. Maybe the crowd's cheering for him more. And there's, there's suddenly those doubts get stronger and I wouldn't feel as strong in that run effort when I started to visualize those sort of scenarios. Sure enough, in those scenarios while training, I would just say the word love and suddenly it just calmed me and it made me feel stronger and all those other doubts and fears went away and that's one way, just one way how I used it in my visualizations um, in training. I also would use it more, you know, towards Jamie. I would also, I also um, put together a playlist. I uh, had the love theme that I would play at home and definitely played the week of Hawaii. That was pretty much all I played. And I found it the other day um, on a very old iPod Touch. Um, so I'm going to put that in the show notes. It's a little embarrassing, some of the songs, I think. But hey, I'm going to put it up there. And uh, that might make some interesting... Um, chats about my music selections but it was just around that theme that mantra of uh feeling strong through feeling love and feeling being loved and loving everybody it was it was one little aspect it became um a love of everything in 2012 as in 2011, um, I have the foot, some footage of when I was really struggling in second place and Andreas Raylett came back at me, caught back up and my quads had absolutely shattered and I started running. I, I was sorry, I was walking through an aid station and in the background there's one guy and he shouts at me, eat the pain, Pete, eat the pain. And, you know, that became a bit of a tagline among my friends and people that have seen it. And so in 2012, it, it became love the pain. It became love the challenge. It became love your choice to be here. Love the heat and love the pain. So it became a way for me to switch any fears and doubts of anything into a strength, into this is your choice of how you feel about these things. And it's. As simple as that, I, I've always maintained that the biggest part of acclimatizing is the mental side of it, is practicing skills so that when it's damn hot out there on the lava fields of Hawaii or wherever it is that you are racing, that if you tell yourself it's really hot, it gets a lot harder. If you imagine how nice an ice bath would feel right now, it feels a lot hotter where you are. 
so I, I just practiced telling myself that I loved the heat and it wasn't that hot. I would imagine the cool breeze against my skin. I would, I would really grasp every little bit of coolness that I could imagine. And it, it worked for me. I mean, I, maybe I've got a little bit of genetic predisposition to do well in humidity and not mind humidity. And I still, to this day, you know, don't really mind humidity too much. And I would much rather be in hum- humid weather than um, dry weather any day of the year. Um, and so the morning of 2012, uh, the race day, uh, I always get my support crew together and we sort of huddle around and I say a little speech, I guess, and thank them for being there. And I told them on the morning of, I said, can you cheer for me and remind me that I love it? Remind me why I'm out there. Remind me that I love the pain, love the challenge. And you know, it's always a quite an emotional morning, the day of the race. Uh, I always start to have a bit of a shed of a tear. And then I give everybody in my group a bit of a, a big hug and then head off into the unknown. Um, so during that race, obviously, it, it went well. I just felt good all day. Got off the bike in second place and was out there running. And we'd become, I'd become quite close to... Uh, the ASICS crew who had really I'd spent a fair bit of time with in the previous over the previous 12 months and they were there filming it and they'd been there the morning of you know my family and friends huddle as well because they were now good friends and so during the race Ian one of the uh, film guys cheered for me and here's that little sound bite come on Pete you love this so you can hear everybody got on board with the mantra of love and it resonated well and it it made for a much easier day and so when he shouted that to me I think I was already in the lead and Voanaka had pulled out at about halfway but previously I'd gotten off the bike in second place and Voanaka was eight minutes up the road. And at that point, I was starting to think, you know, maybe, maybe he's the better guy. He's the current world record holder. Maybe I'm not going to catch him. But I just started chipping away. And so one thing that had happened in, in my training that I'd practiced everything well and part of going down to see Al Pittman and his squad was we did some 100K and 150K time trials with some run intervals off the bike. And I knew that my back often seized up um, and it was likely that it was going to seize up in the race but I knew that I could release that just by doing a few lunges a few basic dynamic stretches lunging opening up my hips it released my back and I was able to then run freer and faster so it was probably about the six or seven k mark when I was still about seven minutes down on Voanaka when I walked an aid station a little bit and then after the aid station I started just to do a couple of lunges and a few people were quite surprised they thought that I was apparently I've heard since that word got back very quickly oh but you know Pete's struggling he's he's pulled over to the side of the road um, all in a matter of about 20 or 30 seconds that all happens but I, w- I knew what I had to do I was in the moment and part of the visualization and that I would practice was resetting myself and 
if it got too hard, if it started to be painful, if it started to be very stressful, if I started to get anxious and tense, I knew that I could reset myself very quickly. And that's one thing that I practiced all the time in training. When I got in a long run and I started to feel that that tension was creeping in, my body started to tighten up. That would be, I would have a quick stop, maybe by a bubbler, have a quick splash of water on the face, a quick little drink, maybe a quick little bit of nutrition and just mentally reset myself in training many times. And so on race day, I was able to do that at that point, got going again. But the only reason that I was able to take that moment and not panic and not just keep pushing through the pain was because I'd visualized everything. And throughout that whole race day, I was the calmest I've ever been in any race because I'd put so much time and effort into the mental prep of knowing what was going to happen on race day. And that allows you to make the right decisions at the right time. So just remaining calm. And there's a thousand decisions throughout the day in an Ironman. And if you're not calm, you're likely to make the wrong decisions. So I'd practiced the heat. I'd practiced the fears, the doubts. I'd practiced all the mental tricks that I was, was going to use on race day. I'm certainly no meditation guru. And I'm not totally in control of my mind and body. But I have no doubt that the mindset practices that I had practiced did play a huge role in my journey to finishing first that year and having a great day as well where everything felt relatively easy, where it felt a bit like a dress rehearsal, like it wasn't actually the big day yet, just because I was so mentally prepared. But what does that mean for the physical implications. I'm going to try and get into that a little bit, which I didn't fully understand back then, but in my journey of meeting some incredible people over the last five years or so, six years now, I've put it, been able to put into place a little bit of what was going on beneath the surface. So in early 2017, Phil Maffetone was traveling through Australia and I'd hooked up with him over Skype. We'd had a couple of chats and I teed up a Q&A session at uh, Sydney Uni with him and sold tickets to that. And we had a pretty good crowd there and it was great to be able to interview Phil and ask him all the things that I wanted to ask him, ask him what the crowd wanted to ask him. And I showed the video to the crowd of me winning and, um, you know, where I guess I spoke about my, my love mantra that we heard earlier. And Phil being Phil and his, his recognition of primary versus secondary issues says something along the lines of, well, love won't win you Hawaii six more times. Um, and so basically what he was saying is that he believed that if I got into great shape, that I could win Hawaii again. And he also meant that love is a, that was a very, very secondary thing, um, in terms of what is important about getting yourself in shape to win Hawaii, what really matters. And at the time I didn't really have these little bits and pieces put together of, what I'm going to talk about in a second. But I just um, knew that that's Phil's way of saying there's primary issues and there's secondary issues. So we didn't get into detail at that point with Phil. Um, as often the case with Phil, um, he's always looking at the big picture, like from so far out. His, his um, 
views and knowledge of health and the human system is several layers above most people and his understanding is way up there. So when he says something to you, it often takes quite a while to make the connections yourself because you're still looking like I have been for years now, still looking too small, not recognizing the bigger picture, the bigger implications, the bigger factors that are influencing those little things that I'm still focusing on. So over the years, I'm getting much, much better at it. So back then, it was great just to have a chat with Phil and and have that little idea of, okay, so that's not going to win me Hawaii again. That's not going to be my one road to winning Kona again. That's not going to get me out of my health troubles. But I'm going to talk about how it did help now. So I'd mentioned before my doubts when I would visualize a sprint finish against Craig Alexander. But saying the word love made me feel stronger. And so what's going on there is that your nervous system has this response to fears. It's your sympathetic nervous system is fear, fight, flight. So as soon as you emotionally feel that, then you physically get a reaction in your nervous system. Everything starts to change, like your hormones, your blood pressure, your strength, your engagement of your muscles, everything just reacts to your nervous system. So by just clearing my emotional doubts and fears, I was physically improving the ability for my system to communicate what I wanted to do and to do that faster and stronger. So your main ability to engage your muscles and your body to do what you want it to do is run by what they call the central governor. And it's called the central governor theory. Um, but Professor Tim Noakes has, you know, showing that this is fairly true. And I'm just going to read a little bit off Wikipedia now about the central governor. The central governor is a proposed process in the brain that regulates exercise in regard to a neurally calculated safe exertion by the body. In particular, physical activity is controlled so that its intensity cannot threaten the body's homeostasis by causing anoxic damage to the heart muscle. The central governor limits exercise by reducing the neural recruitment of muscle fibers. This reduced, reduced recruitment causes a sensation of fatigue. The existence of a central governor was suggested to explain fatigue after prolonged strenuous exercise in long distance running and often endurance sports. But its ideas could also apply to other causes of exertion-induced fatigue. So that's fascinating. What it's saying is that your brain controls the ability and the rate that your muscles fatigue. So at the end of an Ironman, what is it that's going to make you feel fatigued? Is it that you haven't had enough gels? Mm, not really. Because you've always got energy in your system. Unless you're hypoglycemic and are not fat adapted at all, as in you're not going to readily break down fat into fuel and your body is not able to produce any more glycogen itself internally or you're not absorbing it from external sources, then you will basically, you will just fall over and faint because you're hypoglycemic and you're not getting any sugars whatsoever, any fuel at all. But your body can produce it itself if it's in a nice homeostasis and you're relaxed, you're safe, 
and you're not totally stressed out, as in your central governor is not sending out signals that you need to slow down or you're going to run yourself to death. So the central governor is influenced by external sources, internal sources, and its own self-preservation mechanism. So the three parts that factor on performance are the physical prep and biological systems. That's the first part. So that's, have you done the training that has trained your muscles and your cells to do this exercise and your biological systems? So are you healthy? Have you got all the micronutrients and the minerals and the water and all of those other things like ready to go in your cells? What state are you in when you've taken on this task? The second main factor is the emotional components. So that's where my mantra really comes into it. Where is your motivation and what is your pain tolerance? And the third trigger is that self-preservation. So let's take out the first one, which is have you, you've done the training, you've trained your body to be an endurance athlete and you're healthy when you start the race. The second trigger that influences the central government is that pain tolerance and motivation. So I saw this on a TED talk and I will link to that um, in the show notes that it was, about, it was about motivation and it was a great example and it really puts it into perspective. If you're walking along in the bush and suddenly you see a lion and it jumps out at you, your autonomic, autonomic nervous system automatically has all these responses, hormonal and blood pressure, um, to get you away from that line as quickly as possible. So you have the best chance of surviving. It jacks up hormones so that if you suddenly came across a patch of prickly bushes and you had to run through it for a hundred meters and Normally, you wouldn't ever do that. It would hurt so bad you couldn't do it. But because you've just had all this rush of, from, the central, from the nervous system, the sympathetic nervous system, you would run straight through that to get away from the lion without thinking about it. You wouldn't even feel it. But if you've been chased by that lion for three hours, well, then what happens? You get to that bush. Suddenly, you, you've run out. You've really exhausted your hormones. You've exhausted your nervous system sympathetic response to get you through the hard times. Your motivation is so much lower. So what then happens is you look at that bush and you don't want to run through them anymore. And it's almost to the point where I would rather just sit here and get eaten by the line than run myself through. And it's a perfect example of how motivation works, how the central governor works, how your sympathetic nervous system works, how your hormones interact. So let's imagine that you go into a race and you haven't prepared yourself to be calm. You haven't prepared yourself for the heat. You haven't prepared yourself for the doubts and the fears. So all of those things that come on race day, they have a much bigger impact on your nervous system because your emotional response to those things is so much higher. So by training your mindset, you can push your body and your mind a lot higher and harder before you're going to get the sort of stress response 
that you would get if you've done no training in those parts at all. So if the central governor is the overriding limitation to your ability to perform, particularly in an endurance event, then if you're not training your mindset to be prepared for those fears, doubts, pains, then you're limiting your physical performance. So your ability to perform and push your muscles as hard as you possibly can is defined by your central governor, which is the physical prep and biological systems. So the training that you've done to do that exact task. And secondly, it's the emotional components, your pain tolerance and motivation. So can you sustain a higher level of output and a larger amount of external pressures and absorb them and control them so that your brain is not reacting in the same heightened way and your body's not reacting in the same heightened way? Because it doesn't matter how much training you've done, if you go beyond your abilities mentally, if your body is telling your brain that I've done too much, or if your brain is telling your body that you've gone too hard, then it will just slow itself down. You will not be able to recruit as many muscles. A, your motivation will lower, so you mentally will not be able to do it, but also physically, the impact of not recruiting those muscles through a lowered neural activity is what's really going to hold you back. I improved my ability by lowering the response of my central governor system with the mantra of love. I controlled my emotions. I removed fears, doubts, anxieties. I kept my, my brain and body feeling safe so that I didn't ever feel totally stressed and didn't switch into a, a much higher sympathetic nervous system response. I trained my conscious to be relaxed under stress for longer. I did that, as I said before, through visualization in training, which really can only be done when you're training solo um, for an endurance event where you need to train your body to do exactly what you want it to do on race day, which is perform aerobically to be very good at fat burning and be in the zone and be very calm and controlled the whole way. You can't get through an Ironman on aggression. So training solo for me was the key that I would always just go to the level that I felt safe at for that day. Some days that was really high, other days that was really, really slow. But I always made sure that that muscle memory and mental practice was always a positive experience. Third part of the central governor, that self-preservation that just kicks in to really slow you down so that you don't die. Well, I had that greater control because of the first two things, because of my physical prep and biological systems, my emotional components and pain tolerance and motivations, and my perceived effort was lower. So if you're doing an effort and you're telling yourself that this is going to be a very hard effort and it's going to really tense your body up and you need to push incredibly hard or you're not going to be able to achieve it. So let's say it's as simple as walking up to a heavy barbell. You're imagining how heavy it is and how hard it's going to be to lift it before you've even lifted it. And then if you walk into that, up to that barbell, not even acknowledging that it's a heavy lift, 
just totally relaxed. Your body is a lot more relaxed than if you've walked up to it waiting, wanting to lift an incredibly heavy barbell. So imagine that barbell thousands and thousands of times over. Every time you run, every time you lift your leg and push down on the pedal, that's your response. Is this an easy activity where I'm doing it relaxed and where everything's flowing and the communication and the, the perceived effort is low? And or are you doing everything with tension, with a perceived higher effort? So that's going to increase your nervous system response, increase the the quickness of the central governor kicking in to uh, preserve itself. And so my perception of danger was also low, like how I felt safe. I felt safe because I was always having a little sip of some sugars throughout race day which just, even if you just rinse it in your mouth, that's enough for a perceived effort, a perceived uh, safety in an event or in life. You don't even need to swallow the nutrition. Your body perceives, I'm safe, that's great. So imagine that, that's all you need. Everything is perception. That's why caffeine works so well, because it reduces the perceived effort. So what does limit performance? You know, is it the amount of calories you eat? Well, not necessarily. Is it how hard you've trained? Well, no, that's overridden by if you stress yourself too much throughout the day. How much you sleep? Is it how much pain you can push through? How much you can grit your teeth and tense your body? Not at all. And each one of these is a whole nother podcast. Um, You know, I think I've filled in enough time just talking about the mantra of love and how a mindset changes your body physically and allows you to get more out of your body and that means the training that you've put in all that physical training is not wasted on race day so thanks very much i think i've gotten through everything that i wanted to get through i hope you've been able to last through to this long if you have then I'd love to hear some comments or questions that I can put into future podcasts around this topic or some of these other topics coming up. Um, I'd love to chat about it some more. I find it incredibly fascinating. And, you know, the next time I talk about this, I'll hopefully have learned more about it and can talk about how it links in more because I'm learning more about it every single day. Um, So thanks very much for listening and we look forward to the next episode. Thanks very much. Bye.